Kiorana, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suisuitki. Coming up. Welcome to the Cook Island. Cookie Airani puts on a dazzling cultural show for the Pacific Islands Forum opening ceremony. Also, this is Radio New Zealand, the shortwave division of the New Zealand Broadcasting Service. RNZ Pacific Shortwave Service clocks 75 years of operation. And later on, the new coaches from Moana Pacifica are looking forward to the next Super Rugby season. From start to finish, there was no shortage of songs, ura, tamure and drums in the Pacific Islands Forum opening ceremony, mainly led by hundreds of Cook Island children. All 18 Pacific states are being represented this year, and for the first time in the forum's history, the UN General Assembly President Dennis Francis is attending, alongside more than 500 delegates. The performance in Rarotonga marks the official commencement of the 52nd Pacific Islands Forum. Elisha Foon was there. The host nation proudly serving up its best performers, including 200 local primary school children. Papa Narima George giving the opening chant. Means the translation is welcome. Welcome to the Cook Island. The green carpet made of woven coconut leaves is rolled out for Pacific leaders. They are welcomed in waves, four by four, and greeted by Cook Island Prime Minister and Forum Chair Mark Brown. The performers hold nothing back. You can see and feel every ounce of spirit and mana during this Cook Island welcome. One of the culture leaders from the island Moke, Lotiola Matiariki, almost losing her voice after giving her all in the performance. Yes, for singing and yeah, for enjoying culture too as well. I'm so proud, privileged, the honour that whoever organises that gave us a chance to perform what uniqueness we are, that we are from the Aru Islands. The Cook Islands is made up of 14 islands outside of Rarotonga, and Lotiola Materiki says it means a lot to be part of such a big event. Foreign Affairs Minister Te Pairu Herman fought for the forum to be held in the Cook Islands and says it's been a whole-of-nation effort in the lead-up. What you will not see is those who have been working, volunteering for weeks now to spruce up our roads, spruce up our public places, uh, trim the trees. It really is a whole-of-nation uh, contribution, and not just Rarotonga uh, in Aitutaki as they prepare for the retreat, to make sure that uh, we can all be proud of uh, the hosting that we deliver over the next week. She honours the memory of the forum's founding father, Albert Henry. He was well known for saying no one in the tribe is left behind. And that continues to serve as uh, a reminder for Cook Island leaders the obligation they have to the people of this country uh, in how they lead and in how they serve. At the welcome, hundreds of locals now join leaders and delegates for more performances, traditional songs... And to seal the ceremony, a prayer. And Father, remind us 
of the gospel, of our heritage that is very rich, that is very founded within Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior over all. Bless this forum, bless our leaders, bless this nation, bless our people, bless us. This we ask in the wonderful and in the powerful and the awesome name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Over the course of the week, leaders will discuss climate change funding, security, visa-free travel to New Zealand and Australia, regional economic development, a possible moratorium on seabed mining, and even the Gaza-Israel conflict. Mark Brown says the spotlight will be on Pacific nations, not the global superpowers. The President of Palau has confirmed to RNZ Pacific that the Micronesian President Summer Bloc still supports the controversial former Nauru President as their candidate for the next Secretary-General of the Pacific Islands Forum. Surango Whips Jr. says they reached consensus at their sub-regional meeting in Rarotonga as part of the Leaders' Summit. Lydia Law spoke one-on-one with President Whips Jr. in Rarotonga about a range of issues. First, he confirmed former Nauru President Baron Wanga is said to be the next Secretary-General of the Pacific Islands Forum, pending leaders' approval at the retreat. We reaffirmed what we committed to when we were in uh, Fiji. Uh, actually, we had an MPS meeting in, in, in Pompeii before that and determined that our uh, nominee would be Baron Wanga. Uh, when we went to Fiji, his name was submitted and endorsed by everyone there, so we just reaffirmed our commitment had an opportunity to see Baron here, hopefully move forward with the transition and uh, the beginning of the next chapter of uh, leadership in PIF. There were some concerns, though, raised. Can you tell me about why nothing has changed, that you're continuing with selecting him as your candidate? The process is it's, it's up to the Micronesian group to submit a name, and it's up to the PIF as a whole to accept the name. And I believe that process was done in February. I know there were, there was concerns that were raised, and, and, and it's important to address those concerns. Uh, what were those concerns? I think they were published in the newspaper about issues, I think, related to the refugees and, and those, uh, the refugees processing center, I think. But most importantly, there's always two sides of the story, so it's important to hear from both sides. And Baron is here. The other leaders are here. They can ask him questions, you know, I, uh, which I did this morning uh, because, uh, you know, we need to be transparent. And uh, as... as, as uh, as the Micronesians, it's our responsibility to put up a name. We believe the process was followed. They were, he was accepted. But, you know, if there's still more questions to be had, I'm, he's here to answer. So, How did that meeting go with him this morning? What did you ask him and what was his response? No, I, I asked him that there was concerns about uh, what had happened in the past. And he said, you know, one of the things is there was a lawsuit or, you know, the, he was exonerated for that. There was also questions by the media, and it depends on, on perceptions. He was explaining that now it was one of the places where Facebook, they can call up Facebook and take posts off. And really, it's a small community. They want to protect their people, and I can, I can understand that. And I think what, what's important is each, each country is different. They have, uh, uh, and especially in small communities, sometimes privacy needs to be respected and protected. And uh, uh, unfortunately, when on Facebook, We've had similar problems in Palau. Compromising videos have been up on online, passed around in Messenger or Facebook. It's, it's terrible. And so these are things that, you know, we like open and freedom and, 
and every, anybody can say whatever, but sometimes there is, there is stuff that is untrue. And, you know, one of the things that we've experienced, even at home, we had a conference just recently on misinformation by media and disinformation. But freedom of the press is, is an important uh, avenue, but they should also verify what they print, right? We struggle to do that, though, in Nauru. I mean, I've contacted their office, I would say, more than 20 times this year um, and and haven't been able to get an interview with any of their presidents. Obviously, they've got a new one now and obviously Baron Wanga I managed mm. to speak to last night. But did you speak with them about transparency? I mean, we even need, a, I think, believe it's around $6,000 to even gain entry there to report on things oh, really? there. But mm. media freedom is, I would say, almost non-existent in Nauru. Okay, well... That's something as, as his leadership in PIF, hopefully he can help open those doors and improve that because that's something that's media freedom is important to everyone. To be accountable to the people, we have to have a free and open media. So, Finally, do you fully support Baron Wanga becoming the next Secretary General? We, we pledge our support in February and we, we continue to support him. Was there anything else that was brought up apart from Baron Wanga in the meeting that was significant and important to highlight? Oh, we just talked about all the um, uh, implementation programs on the SUVA agreement, which are all underway. Uh, of course, uh, the Ocean Commissioner Office, uh, hopefully early uh, 24, will be opening up in Palau. There is an open com- Ocean Commissioner already, uh, uh, Minoni, but uh, uh, actually moving to Palau and beginning that work uh, will start early next year. We also, of course, talked about at PIF, you know, one of the things that uh, was uh, was brought up uh, and I appreciate uh, uh, the Secretariat for bringing it up. It says there's only one person at the headquarters that's from Micronesia. So part of that regional bringing people together uh, representation is important. So he encouraged the leaders, uh, encourage uh, people from your region to apply, to work at, at the office in, in Suva. So, you know, I think that's, that really shows the cohesiveness and everybody trying to work together and being more inclusive. Because I think that's really what the SUVA agreement was about, was making sure that we're all uh, working together uh, and uh, 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 making sure that everybody's interests are, are uh, addressed and, and we can move forward uh, with a stronger Pacific. So. It's been 75 years since Radio New Zealand started broadcasting on shortwave into the Pacific region. Using two 7.5-kilowatt transmitters in Titahi Bay near Wellington, Radio New Zealand began shortwave broadcast to Australia and the Pacific in 1948. Moira Tule-Patela has this report. This is Radio New Zealand, the shortwave division of the New Zealand Broadcasting Service, transmitting in the 25- and 19-metre bands from ZL3 on 11.78 megacycles and ZL4... It was former New Zealand Prime Minister Peter Fraser announcing the official opening program for the shortwave service into the Pacific region. In the late 1980s, following growing political pressure to take a more active role in the Pacific area, the then New Zealand government upgraded the shortwave service. 
a new 100-kilowatt transmitter was installed, and on the same day, the Commonwealth Games opened in Auckland. The service was relaunched as Radio New Zealand International, which is now known as RNZ Pacific. In 2022, the then New Zealand government committed $4.4 million for a new transmitter for RNZ Pacific, ensuring the future of the service. RNZ's Chief Executive and Editor-in-Chief, Paul Thompson, says 75 years is an amazing milestone. Shortwave was relatively modern technology when we when we brought it in 75 years ago, and who would have thought at that stage that in 2023 we'd be about to install another shortwave transmitter where our transmitter is. So, look, it's, it's amazing technology. It is old world in some ways, but it still works. Over the years, the service has added a website that provides a comprehensive Pacific news service with the latest Pacific stories and an extensive online news archive. Mr Thompson says RNZ is continuing to add distribution methods to the service. And obviously the internet and digital is, and social media has broadened our reach and engagement with people, but it is interesting how shortwave keeps chugging away, doing the hard work. It really is the pack horse or the workhorse of, of our distribution through the region. So really glad that we're investing in it and improving it. RNZ Pacific broadcasts in digital and analogue shortwave to partner stations and individual listeners across the Pacific region. Its technical specialist, Adrian Sainsbury, says many partner stations in the Pacific rebroadcast our content using digital shortwave, which wasn't possible under the old AM system. He says that digital shortwave offers partner stations FM quality audio. And I would say, in a, in a nutshell, that probably summarises very quickly 75 years because technology has changed so much in that time. Yet despite that, shortwave still has an important part to play in the modern world. Mr Sainsbury says that shortwave is also vital during political upheaval, extreme weather events or natural disasters such as cyclones. It became obvious, I think, during the Tonga volcanic eruption not long ago where traditional communication like cable and, um, and satellite reception was impaired by the volcanic ash. But shortwave radio could still get through to that. Also celebrating its 75th anniversary is the NZ Radio DX League. The term DX is an old telegraphic term meaning long distance. A life member of the league, Brian Clark, says shortwave is still an important medium for many people in remote areas. In a lot of parts of the world, particularly in Asia and Africa, uh, the people don't have access to um, the internet or reliable internet. So for us, shortwave is still a, a relevant uh, medium and the role that Radio New Zealand is playing in the Pacific uh, with Radio New Zealand Pacific and the, the DRM broadcast and, and the local rebroadcast really is it's world class. Moana Pacifica's new assistant coaches believe creating an environment that players can grow positively is important as the franchise builds towards the 2024 Super Rugby Pacific Series. The franchise announced the appointments of Tuanga Tumua, Tom Coventry, and Stephen Jones to their coaching staff in Auckland on Tuesday. Elias Atora reports. 
Speaking to the media after the announcements, the two coaches say they will need to build on the momentum seen at the recent Rugby World Cup from the players who represented Samoa and Tonga. Forwards coach Coventry brings with him a wealth of experience from his time with the Blues and more recently with the Samoa Rugby World Cup campaign. He says they want to use the learning and experience from the World Cup in their 2024 season. So it's, it's, it's a difficult answer to take some of the momentum from the teams that were um, at the World Cup because we are a completely new group. But uh, I know some of the experiences the boys have had at the World Cup will be valuable and uh, they would have learned a lot. And hopefully we can draw on some of those experiences that they had in, into our team leading, leading into 2024. Beck's coach and former Wales fly half Jones says the challenge for the coaching panel is to make sure the environment is right for the players to flourish. When players have a, a positive experience like they would, would have had in the, in the World Cup, coming back they'll be excited, energised and they want to build on their skill set and improve their game and we, we as coaches got a duty to give them an environment to flourish and, and to improve and that's something that we'll be striving our best to achieve. Moana Pacifica will kick off their Super Rugby Pacific 2024 campaign on the 24th of February against the Highlanders at the Fossith Bar Stadium in Dunedin. The full Super Rugby squads will be announced on Thursday. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rndi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, to Fasui 4.